When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is probably what half the problem is, Peter Pan syndrome. Let's do this. Hello, friends. Welcome. You're listening to Kinda Dating. I'm Natasha. Hey, can you do us a solid? Tell a friend about the show um, and continue to email your stories to kindadating at gmail.com. Uh, I read all of them and the ones who do, you know that you get messages back. Um, so even if it's not an email, uh, if it's on social media, you know that I'm there and available. So and I love to hear from you. Uh, so please keep that coming. Uh, today is uh, an interesting topic that I have been wanting to discuss for a long time. And I wanted a good smart male guest for it. <laughs> and I have one. Um, he is a writer, comedian, actor, uh, writes for Bill Nye Saves the World on Netflix and was a head writer for uh, this last year's White House Correspondence Dinner uh, that featured uh, Hassan Minaj. Um, I cannot say your last name. I'm so sorry. It's totally fine. He is amazing. It's Prashant. <laughs> thank God. Thank, thank you, you for being on no, the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, you just say your last name. Venkat Ramanajam. Okay. But Venkat doesn't offend me like it's just okay. it's more of a convenience thing yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. mind either way I mean I wanted to but I feel like it's I tried I tried to rehearse it I, a couple times I, and I a know. lot of people see it as some sort of test or gauntlet yeah that they want to pass through I do I do and I see just, it like it's, a, okay. it's a challenge it's yeah. an obstacle I Something, feel like American yeah. Ninja Warrior and I need to <laughs> climb the wall and I can't climb it yeah you don't don't have to worry about it's it the last step <laughs> <laughs> um w- would you ever date somebody who wouldn't be able to say your last name does that bother you? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, that, that makes me think that person has no interest in trying to learn. Well, like, what if they that, just like, can't get it? Not being able to say my name is a, a, a temporary state of being. <laughs> this is true. So it's like, if you do want to say it, then if you don't even want to put effort into trying to learn it, then we have <laughs> other issues to tackle. So I guess the answer is no, I wouldn't date that person. But At least you're honest about it. It would be a very odd litmus <laughs> test, in my opinion. Um Congrats on all the recent uh, shows and oh, thank you. all the stuff that you've been doing. Thanks, yeah. Um, it's been wild. Do you have any insight into how that experience was for the White House Correspondents' Dinner? It feels like it was really intense. Uh, it was. Um, actually, I haven't really talked about it that much, you know, with anyone outside of just my friends. Yeah. Uh, or other comedy friends and stuff like that. So uh, it was definitely... Very intense and very, very stressful. Yeah. And uh, like having like the first like two brown people basically heading it up, like you as a head writer and Hassan as the host. Yes. Um, it, I'm sure, added a lot of pressure. Yeah. I don't, I, I know we have other important stuff yeah, to get yeah, to, yeah. but it was, I think, more than the sort of precedent set by Hassan doing it. Uh, it was very stressful because of how little time we had because we yeah. basically found out he was doing it three weeks prior oh to the my dinner. Gosh, wow. And I happened to be in New York, so we had to shuffle around a ton of scheduling things. And it was basically like a startup. Yeah. I was at his apartment sleeping on an air mattress, and, you know, my girlfriend is in LA and his wife was out of town. So it was just the two of us. Literally, we'd wake up at 7.30, 8 a.m., 
you know, I'd be sleeping in the living room. He'd be coming out of his bedroom and there wouldn't even be small talk. It would just be like we'd wake up and just immediately get back to like. So I was thinking about the second page where we're going. And it was it was like that. It was just so like, you know, getting ready, eating breakfast, talking about stuff. It was just like we're we were basically it felt like we were married. Yeah. (laughs) For like that entire month. And I love how there was no talking in the marriage. It was just like you wake up and you're like, let's get to work. (laughs) It was very I mean, I think that's part of one of the things I've known Hassan for a long time and we've been friends and writing partners for a while. I think that's one of the things that makes us tick as a team is that when we kind of put our heads together, we have the same definition of what it means to be kind of in a project. Yeah. There isn't other riffraff mm-hmm. that, you know, when we both say, hey, this is priority number one, we have the same definition of priority yeah. number one. So um, there's there's no, you know, we didn't like blow up at one another. There wasn't anything frustrating. It was like, right. f- given the circumstances, a very, very smooth uh, April uh, in terms of at least communication. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Well, that was awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thought, you know, people should know about that. No, people, I appreciate sure it. Thank curious. you. Um, so uh, let's get into the topic. We're talking about Peter Pan syndrome. Oh, um, the infamous <laughs> Peter Pan syndrome. Very infamous. Do we have any idea of when that term was coined? Um, actually, I read about it that uh, that uh, there was a psychologist who wrote a book um, I don't know if it was like in the 80s or 90s, but uh, he basically wrote a book about Peter Pan syndrome and that caught and it ended up becoming a, a bestseller, like a New York Times bestseller. And okay. that's when the term started going around of Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. yeah um, but I mean, it obviously comes from the movie, like from the, the movie or the story of Peter Pan. Um, right. And basically, I mean, what is it? It's the dude who doesn't want to grow up. Right. <laughs> and his best friends with a shadow. Or actually, no, his like, nemesis is a shadow, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, how would you define, like, how how would we define Peter Pan syndrome? You know what the Urban Dictionary says? <laughs> oh, great. Since that's always yes, my I love go-to. the reference to Urban Dictionary. They call it manolescent. <laughs> of course, like, of course, Urban Dictionary would love some sort of like portmanteau yeah. definition that doesn't really fully. I mean, it, it kind of gets at it, but it says the noun and describes a man of any age who shirks adult responsibilities. <laughs> I like I also like just love the word shirks. <laughs> yeah. It just shrugs it off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, what, where do we want to start so, with it? So what what they said was um, they were also saying just like, you know, uh, it can also be women. Let's keep it real. So we, we do say men and mm. oftentimes yeah. ends up being men. But there are women who uh, who kind of lack a, a level of maturity right. and don't want to take on the responsibilities of life and growing up. Um, and it reminded me a lot of uh, and this should have this was sort of my first big like red flag when I was dating my ex who I was like living with mm-hmm. where a couple months into us living together a few months in he suddenly says to me he's just like, you know, like I'm just I'm just a little boy who wants to play oh, uh, video games and watch movies. <laughs> what? And I was so turned off and I literally said that to him I was like <laughs> That's the grossest thing you could ever say to me. Like, I don't want to be sleeping with a little boy. What? And I don't want to be okay. with a little boy. And like, okay. would it, would it, is it a turn on to you if I said, I'm just a little girl who wants to play with my Barbies and put on makeup every day? Like, would that? I mean, the fucked up thing is there are guys who would find that attractive. That's what's, a, that's, so, the, that's why men, like, this is it's just so disgusting to be a dude is because everything can be sexualized. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, but do you so do you uh, do you think that you're uh, wait are you single relationship I'm I in a, sorry I, I answered yeah. it earlier but I'm in a relationship yeah. right do you consider yourself to be like Peter Pan have you ever had those kind of uh traits oh. or like a stage in your life where maybe you were Okay so a couple of things come to mind when you bring this up and I'm going to give a usual Prashant answer, which is like long-winded and filled with caveats. No, I, um, I like it. That's why we I have think you part here. of the reason why uh, this this is be- taken this term has gotten so popular is because uh, there's always all these articles in you know New York or Atlantic, name your whatever, about just how millennials, quote unquote, are 
uh, not keeping up in terms of life stage mm-hmm. with where their parents were that were, were at. Um, say at the age of 29, you know, uh, my girlfriend's parents had had a kid and, you know, had a house. Yeah. And uh, were what we would consider like full grown adult. But I think the definition of adult responsibilities changes over time or at least is a little bit malleable. So when it feels like you're not hitting those benchmarks, people want to say, oh, you're prolonging adolescence. And people have even tried to this, you know, I, I am a subscriber of the idea that there is somewhat of a new life stage between 20 and 30 where you there there are people that are aren't settling down and seeing it not as an extension of their teens or not wanting to get pushed into adulthood but just experimenting and exploring mm-hmm. the world and it's kind of frustrating when that those the 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 goalposts are shifted because yeah. if you look at any commencement speech that's given between the year like 2004 and 2000 15 or 16 or even now it's all about like take risks do something every day that Mm -hmm. excites you or frightens you or something like that it's like don't be afraid you know don't follow the norm Mm -hmm. it's all about like disrupting so it's like all these kids are getting all this advice about not following standard norms and then like they're slammed for not finding stand or following standard norms Mm -hmm. so it's a bit of a catch-22 it's like if you are doing something that is against societal expectations it's like oh you don't want to grow up you don't want to settle down but then it's just like yeah but i'm also experimenting i've you know i'm uh you know an atheist so for me it's like this is this is it yeah. It's one it's one shot. That's, yeah. So you got to, you know, there's certain stages that come, you know, you, definitely I think there are things you're too old to do. There yeah. are definitely things people can be too young to do. But aside from those extremities, you should be doing, living the life you want to live. Now, again, caveat filled explanation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is, you know, there is a trend that people see within men That they just, it's, they want, this is what I think Peter Pan syndrome really comes down to. Mm -hmm. Wanting to have your cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. It's, it's wanting two things. It's like you want to have this faux commitment like relationship, but you actually don't want to take the steps to actually be committed. Now, if a dude is like just single living, and I'm particularly relegating it to dudes because come on, let's be Um, honest. (laughs) Let's just, um, it's, uh. If they're just like, I don't want a relationship. I just want to like fuck around. I mm-hmm. want to bounce from city to city. I want to live my life. Cool. That's no one should take issue with that because they're making their expectations very clear. But yeah. it's the the problematic dude is the one who has a relationship, wants to be in like temporary or semi long term relationships, yeah. whatever between like two and eight nine months or whatever, and they always kind of pull the ripcord the moment you know, any sort of true steps towards commitment mm-hmm. to take place. And yeah. th- I think that's the section, the cross section of yeah. dude we're talking about. Oh, yeah. And that's that's literally exactly who my ex was, where <laughs> it was he was the guy who convinced me to move in by mm-hmm. being like, I literally have a text because I, I was like, was I just crazy about this? Like, how did this happen? How did we move in? I have a text from him saying, I am ready for the next chapter of my life with you. And like, and this is what I want. And he talked about getting engaged and whatever, whatever. I was like, no, no, we don't need to get engaged to live together. But right. cool, we're ready for the next step. And this is coming from the guy. So I'm like, all right, right. well, you must have really thought about this. And so we move in together. And uh, a couple months in, he starts freaking out. And I'm like, what's happening? And literally at the end... He came down to I wasn't ready for a relationship, but it came. But the the reasons were things like I had said to him right before we we moved in that um, I was cool to rent for a year, mm-hmm. but the next place I personally alone, me Natasha, wanted to buy a home. Right, and he was not in a place for that. And either way, I'm like legally, that's the dumbest thing to do. I would never buy a place with somebody that I wasn't like married to. Right. But I was like, but you always wanted to rent. I want to buy. So like, if I look for a house, we can go look together so that you feel comfortable in that place. But then you could just pay rent. Like right. you continue on like normal. And there's no formality and whatever. He was just like, oh man, it just started getting real. And I'm like, how is that getting real? Like I was, go- and he was just like, well, I wasn't ready to buy property with somebody. I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> said we? I was like, ain't nobody asking you for shit. Yeah. Um, 
But like, okay, that was like, you know, clearly a bigger step that freaked him out. But even the fact that like paying off his student loans, he didn't even have that much and he made more than me and somehow couldn't pay it off, but was like freaked out that I had a savings. And he was like, how do you have a savings? And I don't. Mm -hmm. And but I started realizing like anything that had to do with responsibility. And he was that guy that, you know, I was researching this a lot and they described it as like Peter Pan syndrome guys. Um, they tend to say, let's live in the now. Like, this mo- This is the moment. They seem really zen in that way. <laughs> but then there's, like, no actual real steps towards planning for a future or taking care of future things. Yeah. So, for him, example, it was, like, refusing to pay off his student loans when he really could have. And me hmm. being like, well, I have not come from money, so I save a lot. <laughs> right. But, like— you know, anything that had to do with, like, him getting his shit together in the end just, like, wasn't happening. Yeah. I, and and it just started freaking him out to, like, have, like, to start even thinking about those things. Um, and he felt like it was pushing him into something that, you know, he wasn't ready to take on. And I'm like, okay, bro, like, we are grownups at this point. I yeah. I don't know what else to do, but okay. <laughs> um, so, like, that reminded me of, you know, it was, like, classic... Peter Pan guy. Um, are there uh, like other characteristics that these kinds of people have? <laughs> do you know, do, like, any of your guy friends? Like, do you see them like a, as a dude? Okay, there's there's a couple different profiles that come to mind, mm-hmm. right? Um, I feel like a lot of times the sort of delay in it's kind of procrastinating decision making. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pitfall of, you know, the guy you're describing, was he brown? No. Okay. I feel like there are a lot of guys that, you know, this is just one category of dude who are like coddled by their moms. Oh, yeah. A shitload. And that so they tend to just kind of do things on their time scale. They don't really, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're very tethered to their moms and kind of what their moms would think and blah, blah, blah. And like they just, there's a certain part of them that never fully grows, grows up because up. they're just basically uh, mama's boys. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like uh, my girlfriend thought, was worried that I might be one. Oh, really? Because a lot of brown dudes are. Yeah, Especially yeah, if they're first cool. generation, yeah, yeah. Hi, their parents are higher socioeconomic status yeah. and whatnot. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't grow up with a ton of money, but you know, I know that brown dude. Yeah. And so she was like, red flag. Like, I've dated dudes like that before. And um, it's frustrating because they're just so indecisive. And to be frank, we're going to have to figure this one out together because I am such a fucking old man (laughs) about so many things. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you are. No, 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 no. This is not in any way to fish for compliments. This This is like, I'm. I didn't grow up with a ton of money, so... I'm like a psycho about money yeah. and just not like, you know, I, oh, no, I am too. It's, it's, I like going on dates. I like when we choose to spend money, I'm like totally fine as long as it's good quality. But it's just, again, when you're doing a freelance job, like, yeah, I mean, course. that's what being an entertainer yeah, is. You're yeah, a freelance. Yeah. All the Johnny time. Depp yeah. is a freelance forever. Yeah. For hire. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> he's rich as fuck, but yeah. like he's a freelancer. Um, well, Johnny Depp is no longer currently rich as fuck, but he's going through his own. Sure. Okay. Bad <laughs> yeah, example. Yeah. But, you know, no, insert yeah, A-list yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. actor. Um, so you constantly have to kind of think like a startup mm-hmm. where you have to be aware of your runway until you kind of make such a huge amount of money that you're like, okay, yeah. now that I know this, this will keep generating. Oh, yeah. I can focus fully on art yeah. or whatever I want to do. Um, so for me, that was always the struggle because I didn't come for money. I always had yeah. to be hyper aware of like, okay, if I lost my job, what would my burn exactly. rate be? Yeah. And when would I have to be- pick up another one while yeah. I try to write for TV or try to do stand up mm-hmm. and all this stuff over, you know, I've been doing comedy stuff for, um, you know, 11 years yeah. now. So, um, it, it, that for me, it, because I had this thing, I, you know, I'm also very confused by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I say it, I mean Peter Pan syndrome because maybe maybe there is a type of person where when they have to kind of become financially independent early on, 
you have to confront big, heavy decisions yeah. very early on. So when you have to confront them later mm-hmm. with another person being brought into the mix, uh, it's a less daunting. Like, I think the guy you're describing, we're talking about dude who may have gone to college, found a nice cushy job, is kind of like coasting in a big mm-hmm. metropolitan city, kind of hanging out with his guy friends, dating girls, maybe not having the most sophisticated conversations about getting into relationships mm-hmm. or getting out of relationships. So then when they are confronted, they're like, oh, I'm 31 to 36. Yeah. And this is the stage of life I'm in. It just hits them like a ton of bricks because they see a ton of doors closing. Yeah. And everybody f- has this moment a lot of times. I mean, this is part of the growing pains of getting older is that every time you make a decision as you get older, that many more door slams can be heard mm-hmm. with every decision you make. Yeah. Um, and so I think a part of it has to do with, I, I don't know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get into the mind, well, of, yeah, not just I of mean, dudes, but people who I get having um, sort of choice paralysis. Mm-hmm. I think that's very common amongst, uh, you know, our generation, but I don't, I, I don't know if I fully understand that mentality because for me, I'm like, I, it would just make me so anxious to not be planned out. Yeah. Like I'm a planner in general. So it's, it's, I don't know. We got to, maybe in the second half, we got to tackle, we got to figure out how to, you know, we talk about like what you said, the, I think the reason people who are stuck in this like phase just are afraid to make any decision and are afraid, actually afraid of the repercussions of those decisions. Like, yeah, some, like no matter what you do, at some point you have to make a life choice. And, you know, whether it's a it's commit committing to a person or committing to a job or committing to, um, you know, uh, again, in reading about this, they were they were talking about how people with Peter Pan syndrome it it can also go into their careers. Like, there are people who just are stunted because they were told to follow their dreams when they were 16 years old. And sure. their dream is, I want to be uh, a famous actor. But okay, cool. Um, but they never take any actionable steps to get there. Uh, they don't have any kind of backup plan. They don't plan around, you know, uh, any... Um, obstacles that could come their way they just assume yeah. the shit will come to them and it ends up just like becoming this uh cycle that then carries into other aspects of their life yeah and yeah. it just becomes like a fear of making a decision fear of even if it's again realizing hey if i go full force and try to be an actor and it doesn't work out then the repercussion is shit my dream is crushed right you know right. where some people like like I, I didn't come for money, and I was, you know, literally. I remember, I've all I've been working since I was 15 years old, like in jobs, like through high school. But um, I had to make certain hard life choices because when I got into college, my parents and I had a falling out. Mm-hmm. And anyways, I was working, but for a period of time, I wasn't, and I literally got cut off. And, like, they cut off a car access, cut off everything. There's, yeah. like, basic things that, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, this is my parents. I'm going to take their car. Um, I had a dollar twenty-five in my bank account Dang. one day. And I remember I didn't have enough money to even take the bus to go to university. Oh, and geez. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And I remember, like, freaking out and crying. And uh, I actually, this is, guys, this is going to be cheesy. But I prayed. And uh, within an hour, crazy enough, as the universe would have it, my professor offered me an internship for $10 an hour to— That's awesome. To, and I was like, sure, anything. And I remember doing a $10 an hour internship, and I promised myself I would never, ever, ever get to that place again. That I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. So, like— Dude, 10. I made right? 8 bucks an hour in college. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky with those extra two an hour. Um, but— uh, but it made me realize that, oh, shit, I have to plan for stuff because, like, I wasn't going to have my parents to fall back on for anything. They right. weren't going to pick me up. And when I moved to New York in my early 20s, like, I didn't have an option. Right. My mom was a lot like, you're coming back home. They were like, bye. Right, right. <laughs> Figure it out now. Um, so I remember just, like, having to make decisions that I didn't want to make because there were things I wanted to do. But then I had to make choices. I had to be like, shit. I would always tell my friends this. I'd be like, go to watch Broadway or pay my rent. 200 for a, you know, Broadway ticket or 200 yeah. towards my rent in New York. And yeah. I'm like, oh, 
I'll just do the rent in New York this month. And, you know, for all my years I lived there, I never ended up watching Broadway shows. I watched expensive. it before when I went to visit. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, like, there are people who are just scared to make those choices because it means I can't live out some dream. Yeah. But you're also creating other dreams and you're creating new dreams and you start having new goals. Um I do want to talk about a little bit about, like, we were saying some of the characteristics of Peter Pan syndrome, like what we see in those guys, so that when, uh, you know, maybe our listeners are dating somebody and they're like, hmm, maybe this is somebody I should... Uh, Avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also want to talk about something else that comes with Peter Pan syndrome. Okay. It's Wendy syndrome. Wendy syndrome? This is a thing. We're going to talk about it. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, guys, we're going to come back with Prashanth. We're talking Peter Pan syndrome on kind of dating. But first, check out this message. Hey, hey, guys. You're listening to Kind of Dating. I'm Natasha here with my friend Prashanth talking Peter Pan syndrome. <laughs> um, I feel like I've dated way too many of these guys so I can give you the exact profile. Okay. Um, but this is, also from, uh, this is also from doing research mm-hmm. that they're also like uh, the fun guy. The guy who's always like, let's live life. Let's be spontaneous. Let's whatever. But like he doesn't have a lot else to offer besides just like really fun dates. Yeah. But he's not like reliable. You know what I mean? He'll yeah. He's the guy that you'll he'll be like, hey, let's go on this random adventure. But if you call on him when something is like serious and you need somebody there, they're usually not. Totally. Around. Yeah. Um, also said this was surprising. Said they're bad communicators to a point that, um, like, it's very detrimental. So they were like, they don't have the communication skills. They shut down. So they dislike conflict because they like so much fun. Yeah. That anytime there's conflict, they just like shut down altogether. And right. that was totally my ex. Like, if we talked about something, it, if he wanted to talk about it, we could. We had to talk about it right then. But if I had to talk about something, he's like, nope. And yeah. he just, like, hated getting in a fight. And I'd be like, it's not that big a deal that we disagree on something. Like, right. it doesn't have to be the end of the world. He's like, but we fought over this. I'm like, oh, my God. It's it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you also mentioned it. There are people who coast. So like a lot of a lot of people who just like coast through life, whether it's yeah, yeah. coasting because of their good looks, go coasting because of the money, coasting because they've been coddled and somebody else will take care of them. Right. Um, and uh, they have skewed priorities. <laughs> so again, like people who you know um, aren't focused on goals and ambitions and like taking actionable steps towards it, but are the guys like always talking about the dream? You know, there's that guy that's always like, "Oh, I'm gonna be X Y Z," but they've never done anything to get there. Right. I I think so. What what are, what are you talking about right now? Are we talking about like, like how do we? Yeah. Like how do you how do you identify? How do we identify? Okay. So. Not being a woman who's ever dated, <laughs> but having heard, I have a lot of female friends yeah. uh, that I've been, that have been very close friends of mine um, that, you know, they've talked to me a lot about just dating and what, what they're looking for and stuff. Um, I think with guys that, that, yeah, we, that are classic Peter Pan I don't know. It's so tough because I don't know what... Okay, so you hear horror stories of women mm-hmm. who go on dates that are terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my girlfriends talk to me about her horrible dates and stuff like that. And I don't understand... Like, I've gone on a date where someone is just, like, not that talkative mm-hmm. and I love talking. So I don't... I'm like, okay, well, there's not really a way in here because yeah. all we have are is conversation. Yeah. And so I don't really know how to how yeah. to make this work. Um, I don't. I guess I don't know what women go into dates looking for. Well, I think that it's hard sometimes, especially like a good. A, I feel like a guy with good Peter Pan syndrome is probably like has that boyish charm, which is why in the beginning it's harder to identify because he seems like the guy who's just like has good energy and just, like, seems fun to be around. And, like I said, is probably charming. Yeah. And then as you start dating them and wanting something more or wanting to, like, or you start seeing their real living habits and how they survive and think about life, you start realizing, oh, shit, this guy hasn't planned 
anything. Or he's just like the guy who's still, like you said, trying to have his cake and eat it too. I mean, it's a classic thing. I've tell I've told my guy friends this. I was like, look, once you pass a certain age and you're still single, like a girl's gonna be like Why? Why? Yeah, unless you have like a company under your belt or yeah, something. Or that's just you like said very clear. like I was in a really long relationship and she cheated on me. Right. Or, you know, right. and then you're like, oh, okay, shit, that that stuff happens. But you know, you it's classic. It's to meet like my girlfriends always tell me they're like, you need to be with an older guy, and I'm like, yeah, the forty year old. Like, and why is he forty and still single? Because he likely has Peter Pan syndrome. Well, I think the 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 dating conundrum, right, is that. If I had seen my girlfriend at a bar, yeah. I probably wouldn't have talked to her. Yeah. Because as a dude who, you know, I don't know, I'm I'm not, even when I wasn't, you know, with her yeah. and I was just dating, I wasn't an aggressive dater. Yeah. I had other things I was way more interested in, like yeah. writing and like things, I, like just ideas, yeah. things I wanted to kind of um, focus on. And so... I think may a number one, there's, this is always such a red flag for me with dudes. Mm -hmm. It's like for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, you know, guys, uh, it's more allowed that guys can be, you know, more sexually aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so for, for dudes that are just, that go out, that are just like, oh yeah, I want to go out and get like when sex is on their mind that much, that blows my mind like it's sex is you know important and great and all that stuff but when it consumes your mind to the degree that like society allows for adolescent males to have it be on their mind it's like dude get a fucking hobby right like if if there's someone who's that singularly focused yeah you're like okay that that's an issue that's not something women need me to tell them about but that's that's one thing, but it bleeds into the guy who is willing to come up to you at a bar and be the charming, charismatic guy at the bar. The guy who thinks he's Ryan Gosling from Crazy Stupid yeah, Love. Yeah. Because that guy needs to have a very extensive toolkit to pull off picking up a, a girl or chatting with a girl at a bar. Yeah. And I think one thing to be on the lookout for is like, people in general that come off too rehearsed. Yeah. That's a hard thing mm-hmm. to cite because if they're really good, you don't notice yeah, it. But yeah. someone who's been, you know, a performer for quite mm-hmm. some time and curated other people's performances and also written for them. Yeah. It's like I can spot lines when I'm like, there's no way that line just came out of your head yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's too good. Yeah, yeah. And so, or even just conversation totally, topics. Or yeah. Things, like if people have like stock things, they say, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, come on. Yeah. Like, I know you didn't think of this on the spot. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm um, just keep, keeping out, like, because charm and charisma, uh, I think are, are greatly, greatly overvalued qualities. Oh, completely. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, 100%. And it's part of the reason why, you know, the elections that we have are the way that they are, because people ascribe too much mm-hmm. to personality as opposed to skill or actual competency yeah. in terms of being an elected leader. So I think the same thing can be said about dating. Like the things that get you a date aren't the things that make you a good partner. Yeah. Again, not saying anything new, yeah. but it's I think the other thing, too, is whether you're male or female um, or neither uh if if you're dating and looking for someone it's just being honest with yourself about what your priorities are yeah like if you're if you're out there always saying like i wish i could find a good person but you're taking none of the steps to actually keep in mind the things that you are looking for to find a good person Mm -hmm. it's like okay well then like the selection criteria is not being filtered um as well as it could be. So it's like, let be honest, if you want to fuck around and be out there, male or female or neither, just do that. Yeah. You don't need to tell your friends that you're actually yeah. trying to find a good guy or settle down or a good girl and settle down. And it's just like, it's fine. Just do what you do. Just don't rope in other people and fuck up their lives too. And that's sort of a thing. Like, you know, I, I, I was preparing for this episode. I was thinking about it a lot. And I was kind of like, again, we do talk about like the male Peter Pan syndrome a lot more. Um, I do think that, at, like I've, I've say in every episode, I was a 
commitment phobe for many years. Yeah. And when I when I look back, I do think that maybe part of it, there was like some aspects of that Peter Pan thing of not wanting to make a wrong decision. So I just didn't want to make any decision. I right. was just like, uh, I never didn't want to be anybody's girlfriend. I told them off the top. But my my difference was I didn't act like I wanted to be in a relationship. And then didn't you know what I mean I was just straight up with everybody I was like I really want to be selfish right now I don't have time for this shit and I really don't want to like focus on anybody else so I don't want to be your girlfriend like we're cool to date cool to hang out I just don't want anymore um but like that leads me in the next question of can people ever grow out of this and like I grew out of it but I grew out of it very consciously when I finally came to a point that I was just like just the commitment phobia didn't um, fulfill me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, I, I think, um, uh, I mean, I, your listeners are about to find out very weird, a weird detail about me, but I, everything for me kind of <laughs> boils down to, to like my, my mortality. Like I yeah. think about my death constantly and I'm not saying it's healthy, Yeah, no, it's but cool. it, it, definitely is like this thing where if you juxtapose any problem to it it immediately gets reprioritized yeah. appropriately and so when it comes to commitment and decisions of like do i want to spend the rest of my life with yeah. a person it really does need to be cho- you know if if you got one life to live and this is an important value of just like commitment yeah. and family or um having a community then then make it a priority. But it's... See, I think people take it the opposite way. I think a lot of people go, well, you have one life to live, so just fucking live it up and do whatever and don't make choice, you know? Yeah, but so this is is why actually considering mortality in in its non-selfish terms of like, okay, if your life... If you... Okay, so like as an atheist, if you believe this is the one life you have then everyone you're running into is also living the one, one life, life they have. Yeah. And so anytime you interact with someone, again, this is my own psychosis, yeah, yeah. No. but like anytime I interact with someone, I go, I'm interacting, I'm briefly crossing paths with yeah. someone and they're also choosing to expend precious time mm-hmm. that they have on me. So like take a moment to recognize that like it's not just your one life to live it's the other person's yeah so when you drag people through the mud of you figuring your own shit out yeah that's inevitable right that's where you need to grow together blah blah blah. but there are degrees to be considered so if you're like way on one end of the spectrum of not having sort of done a self-investigation or really figured out your priorities and you just drag somebody else's life into this Mm -hmm. and you use their life as sort of the engine to figure out what you want you have to reconcile the fact that, like, that's what you did. Like, mm-hmm. you, that it's not just a trivial thing. You, I'm not saying it's a waste, but you have to recognize you caused somebody else pain or yeah. suffering or whatever while you figured that shit out. Yeah. And that's on you. Like, one life to live isn't like a carte blanche to just yeah. do what you want. It actually should make that all your decisions that much more precious yeah. and well thought out, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and that's where, um, I get very annoyed with, I have a, just an, an argument. Cause when I grew up, I, uh, I was pretty, I guess like my, my family's pretty religious, but I was never a- as religious. Then I got into this, I really don't want to get into it too much, but I got into this like sort of weird kind of spiritual group. It was sort of a little cultish, but I didn't know it. I was a kid. Um, and, Scientology. Uh, yeah, basically it was like that. Um, and they did a lot of what I call half knowledge. And this is what I think happens with, and this is why I advocate so much for like things like media literacy and um, why, you know, people don't understand why university and college is important. Like all your stupid essays and shit that you're doing, the reason you're doing it is to to develop critical, critical yeah. thinking, critical yeah. judgment and like doing that and then taking those skills into other aspects of your life. That's the only reason you're doing those stupid essays. Right. But the problem is that like people get the YOLO thing, right? You just hear the half knowledge of like, you only have one life to live, like live it. But nobody's giving them the extra, like the, the full picture, which is like what you said. Yes, live your life. 
But remember, your life affects other people's lives and you only have this one life. So make it something positive and, value, yeah. you know, because when I was a kid, people would always tell me or in this group, it was always told be positive. And, you know, don't get angry and be positive. And when I was a kid, I started realizing I was repressing so much yeah. because all I was trying to do was, like, see the positive. And then I got myself into a lot of shit because I was just trying to see the positive in people and the good and everything and blah, right. blah, blah, blah. When really you need to be giving um, a full—you need to be given the full picture right. of what it means to, example, be positive. But there are times that anger is good for you. It's for self-defense. Yeah, for sure. You know, so— that was like my long-winded explanation of the whole YOLO thing, you know, of yeah. people. And like what you said, when you're in uh, your valedictorian speech, everybody's like, take risks, live right. your life. Right. Um, but really, you're not you're not saying use critical judgment and make those risks. Use ed Make educated risks. Like, yes, make risks. Have a backup plan. It's totally cool to like have your dream and still... Like your mind and your your body is, is strong enough to be able to do both, right? Um, and that's the stuff that I think like people aren't taught, and then it snowballs and all this other shit. Yeah. Um. So what happens with Peter Pan syndrome is Wendy syndrome. I've never heard of this term. So Peter Pan in the story, like Peter Pan was a kid who wanted to live forever. Wendy wanted to be like she was like the mother of all the lost boys. She uh, took care of all the lost Wendy boys. Syndrome. So Wendy syndrome is like how it's almost like codependency. Like That's Wendy an inner Peter. fat kid I am, by the way. I immediately just thought Wendy's because <laughs> I used to love Wendy's <laughs> growing up. And I was like, what is Wendy syndrome? That's hilarious. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, Wendy syndrome of like the the woman who mothers Peter Pan. Yeah. And so we tend to find, I was also that funny enough to be a Peter Pan and to be a Wendy for a long time. Um, I have definitely tried to or in the past had mothered people and learned nope you need to fix your own yeah shit. i mean i can i find that that's an interesting term and an interesting idea never heard that before yeah. but i totally understand it and i can speak zero to it yeah because i i've never my like my girlfriend's very like you know caring and yeah like i can see her being a very great mother but I wouldn't say. But like, she's not. Is she mothering you? Like, is she just like, you know, there? Like, we talk about the coddling sometimes. Like, this is what I did when I was dating this guy. He was like, I want to go, uh, guys. I dated this guy. He didn't even. He didn't graduate high school, and he was like, I want to go back and like do you know some schooling, and yeah. but wasn't taking the steps. So like, I ended up making all the calls and like getting like all the interviews set up oh, dear. for him to like go to. Okay, because that yeah. was like the mother and me trying to fix this kid. Right, being like, oh no, maybe you didn't get enough guidance. Like, here's how you do it. Yeah, I've I've, I've actually been that person in a yeah. relationship too. Where I was just like, okay, I dated someone. I was trying to, you know, they wanted to do X, Y, Z yeah. and stuff. And I wanted to help her do those things. So I tried to do my best to give yeah. her the resources or tools or my time to like go through stuff like that. But yeah, like my, I think the joke is that my girlfriend is super mothering. But I don't think in actuality that's like that's what our relationship is yeah based on yeah i mean she's like nurturing she has yeah qualities, yeah which is a great thing Be, one of the things she first told me when she started dating she was just like i'm not here to fix anything that's literally what i tell everybody and i yeah. and i countered with i'm i you know we're all broken but i was like i don't need you to fix anything yeah. like i've i've spent a lot of time thinking about who I am and mm -hmm. what it is I want and how I want to go about getting the things that I want mm -hmm. my life to be. Um, so it was, I mean, we, we talked about that very early on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I can totally see that, see that being a thing. And what if somebody's dating Peter Pan? Like what can, like, I think that if you, if you are Peter Pan and you see, like you're identifying to wh who this, this character we're talking about, then I would say, do some introspection, like figure out what's going on, why you're not making those decisions, whether that's through therapy or yourself or, you know, getting some self-awareness, like you said, self-investigation of what's going on. So what your question is, what like, if someone's dating a Peter Pan? Yeah. What? Like, like, how do they get out of it? Yeah. So there's it's just like, how, how do we deal with Peter okay, Pan? Okay. Can I ask you a question? Because I think Pan. something I'm very yeah, yeah. 
confused about in general with Mm -hmm. the current state of dating that I'm pretty sure you have a better handle on is what do you think most people that may not just listen to this podcast, if they're listening to this, then they're interested in relationships and other relationship podcasts. What do you think it is that they want? Like, do you think there's a common thread with what people are looking for? I think at the end of the day, every single person is looking for love and the one. Like, that's what... You every, think everybody is looking I for every, a whatever soulmate? I think every single person, even your narcissist, is sort of looking for somebody else. But the, the problem is a narcissist is looking for somebody to make them whole in a different way. Right. Like they're, But at the core of it, they still want to feel a certain level of love. Right. Then there's the, there's, you know, even the player. The player is out there and you can't, like nobody out there will tell me that as somebody who, who you know, could have said that I was maybe a former player, if I went out there and, like, I'm at a bar and I'm hitting a, like, hitting on a guy or hitting on a girl, I'm still sort of secretly hoping that, like, if one of them clicks, then I would probably give up some of my lifestyle and choices and whatever to try to fix it. Mind you, hmm. there are people who don't have the skills to do that, which is another conversation you and I have had, which is what takes the introspection. But I do think at the core, every single person is looking for love. Um, I agree with that. In in whatever capacity. No, they no, just, no. I they wholeheartedly just don't have agree with the, that. They just don't have the ability or the skills, which is why when we do this podcast, um, a lot of people tell me they, they say – they realized something, the problem that they were having just because they heard a story that I, that we had kind of said on the show. Right. No, I agree with all that. Uh, I think that it's, it really comes down, and this may be just a very Eastern thing to say, yeah. but it really comes down to the individual and how much they feel like they know themselves mm-hmm. because there's no person, right, that's out there that is going to make you whole. Oh, totally. You know, unless it is you. Like, you can grow into someone and feel like they're a part of you as time goes on. But if you start from a place of, like, this person is making me feel whole, like, it's never... I mean, people fill it with all sorts Mm -hmm. of shit. They fill it with alcohol, sex, drugs, accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, anything can become something that is filling a a hole within you if you are not aware of why you're actually doing it. Friends can fill a hole that you don't read. People who can't be alone. Mm -hmm. People who can't be alone with their own thoughts. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like being mindful of why you're seeking out maybe this person's attention or this friend's attention or, you know, uh, why you're being with the person you are. Yeah. And then only then can you identify if, like, you're contributing or enabling that person mm-hmm. who may be having Wendy syndrome or yeah. Peter Pan syndrome. I mean, I think it always starts with the individual and oh, how totally. and how much they're they're willing to be honest with themselves yeah. as they as they search for another person. Agreed. I want to finish um, uh, this episode with a final message to uh, the Peter Pans out there. If you're listening, this is from an article <laughs> that I'll probably be posting. But uh, um, you know, we we are scared of growing up. But according to this article, we do grow up. And the problem is that the charmingly boyish man who refuses to grow up will age just the same as the men who have careers, mortgages, and families. He will grow older, too, but with much less in his life. Peter Pan at 60 isn't nearly as adorable as at 20. Damn. Putting homeboys on blast. Yep. Just saying. Just saying. Um, Don't be that guy. Um, (laughs) I like how this was like this very flowing conversation about understanding people. And then all of a sudden you're like, but at the end of the day, fuck off. (laughs) uh, Fucking check yourself. No. Um, Prashant, are you ready for your five questions? Yeah. Hit me. This is our um, dating version of the Bernard Pivot questionnaire made famous on Inside the Actor Studio. Uh, These are the same five questions we ask every guest. However you interpret it is your interpretation. Um, Prashant, here are your five questions. What is uh, the I first have studied. thing? <laughs> Sorry, okay, go ahead. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Oh, uh, laughter. That should be obvious. Or a cliche, whichever. What is your one deal breaker? <sighs> deal breakers. Um just one. impulsivity. Mm. 
Uh, what turns you on? Conversation. Tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Um, I can be a little too... Sorry, weakness is I tend to talk about relationships in too clinical a term. Mm -hmm. So the person across from me sort of thinks that I'm sort of calculating my way mm. through as opposed to feeling my way through. Yeah. Um, whereas I, it's an it's a extension of me trying to make sure that communication is clear because yeah. I think a lot of conflict stems from people not actually saying what it is that they actually feel like right. they're trying to but they sometimes don't have the words or they're not expressing it right most clearly um strength strength is uh <laughs> this sounds so lame but i think like at the end of the day like i care like i i like i'm sh i want to show up to yeah play like i'm here yep. to like try yeah. so i think it's like effort like i'll, I'll, I'll always give it the effort that's that awesome. it's due um besides i love you what three words would you want your partner to tell you <laughs> three words this one always dumps peeps yeah what's what can you say it one more time Besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? I don't know. This is so lame, but just you're a good guy. Okay. That's you four. good guy. Yeah, that's four, but <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how to condense that. You um, good guy. You good guy. That's I'll take what that. <laughs> um, Prashant Venka, thank you so much for being on the show. How can people find you and, and what are your next projects? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, you hate social media. I do. It's not that I hate it. I just, it contributes don't to partake. so many of the problems <laughs> that I think are already out there. Um, where can they find me? I mean, you can just, if you start typing in Prashant Venka, it'll just autofill so <laughs> -E you can find me that way. V-E-N-K-A-T. On Twitter, I'm on, the, on that. But uh, working on season two of Bill Nye right now. And then, um, you know, uh, working, still working with Hassan on some some stuff we're, we're thinking about. Great. And then, yeah. Awesome. Um well, guys, follow us also on social. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Kinda Dating. And as you know, if you don't, Kinda Dating is presented by Meltdown Comics. Come visit us, 7522 Sunset Boulevard here in L.A. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you can, please take a few seconds and review us on iTunes. There is a tab that says Review, and click that tab, and there's another button that says Write a Review. Um, only five stars, though. Uh... Finally, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com or find me on socials. You guys do that too, and I love it. Um, and finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. The show is produced by myself and Mason Booker, who's also the audio engineer. Our associate producer is Aisha Holden. Opening music composed by Joe Lorenzetti. And our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.